Keith last week and uh, um, oh, another one of their staffers, Chris. And man, they, they are just constantly under attack by groups. I think, I can't remember the name of the group. It's like a Freedom From Religion or something like that group. Man, man, it is, uh, it's, it's demonic, really, um, the types of attacks that they come under. And so um, to have their church family and those around, um, around the region just continually covering them in prayer um, so that the gospel wouldn't be uh, hindered is, uh, is something we can, we can always do for them. Hey, um, before I preach, I wanted to make, I just wanted to make just a, just a quick statement. Um, hey, last Sunday night, we, we had a, a gentleman by the name of Frank Turek here, and, um, and I, wanted to, I wanted to say this, that the, the evening didn't quite go the way I had promoted it um, to go. And uh, it, was, it was good, and there were some testimonies and things like this, but um, something kind of got lost in translation, and, and it was just a little bit different than I, than I advertised. And, uh, and if you felt like, uh, like that uh, to you, I just wanted, wanted to apologize. Um, and, but some of it, too, was that um, it had actually, there was part of it that went longer than they had planned, and if you were there, you remember um, Frank saying, hey, I had planned a whole 20-slide presentation, and then I just, and then he didn't, uh, just didn't get around to doing it. So, um, so anyways, uh, just wanted to let you know that. Now, if you were interested in a, in a talk by Frank uh, Turek, um, he went to UNK um, the next day, and they, um, they recorded it live. In fact, I think over 20,000 people were watching online. Um, and uh, so it was recorded live, and then it also is on demand on YouTube. So you can either go to um, Tim Stratton's website, uh, or now um, YouTube page, which is Free Thinking Ministries on YouTube, and you can find that, and then also um, Frank Turek's uh, YouTube page. So, with, is that all right? You guys good with that? So, it's some really, really good resources out there. It just didn't end up being as uh, exactly the way I had um, uh, said it was going to be. So, yeah, if you had dessert, yeah, you guys are all right. You, you guys forgive me for that? You all right? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Hey, we're in a, we're in a series called, uh, uh, well, just a Gospel of Mark. <laughs> we're in a series about the, the Gospel of Mark, and uh, just kind of going through it, not verse by verse, but, but definitely kind of thought by thought, uh, story by story. Lord, what, in fact, that's really how I read the Bible. I just read it, and Lord, what, what do you want to say? And something will jump off. Uh, I, I kind of, uh, maybe you've had that happen before with the Lord as you're reading the Bible, and, and something resonates with you. You might even read the, the same chapter again. Maybe you do some of those reading through the Bible plans or whatever, and one year something jumps off, and the next year it's something else. And I, I consider that Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit illuminates something in your heart, even as you're reading. You know, the primary source of hearing from God, Bible. That's 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 his that's his number one number one source. There's all kinds of ways God speaks, but man, if we don't if we if we toss, uh, in fact, the the Bible actually calls itself the the plumb line. <laughs> it's the plumb line, and so you bring everything else into alignment with the word of God and so I encourage you as you're reading just say say Lord what do you want me to know about you what do you want me to know about me Holy Spirit would you speak to me even as I'm reading Bible some of you maybe you have, as you're reading Bible you're you're you you feel like man I'm just not smart enough to understand all of this yeah me too me either right like so you're just reading you're just like this man this book this just seems like way too complicated you know and and uh, that's also a lie from the enemy that um I would just encourage you to say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you be my teacher? As you're reading the Bible, he will. He'll, he'll answer that. In fact, the, the Bible says this, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. 
And so even those hard places in Scripture, now you can also um, ask for help, and you can, you can say, Pastor, I don't get this, and we can talk about it. But don't let the hard places of Bible detour you from reading the Bible. Just, just go right into it with that heart that says, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Would you teach me? Is that all right with you guys? All right. Good, good, good. Hey, here's the main thought today. Our, our series, uh, um, our title today is Under the Influence. <laughs> And uh, the, main, uh, uh, the main thought is true freedom in Christ leads, us not only, uh, leads, leads to not only change in quality of life, but more importantly, a change in desire. So true freedom. There a lot of times people want to be free. Like you think about your life and you think about something in your life that you're wanting to be free from. And as I'm talking about that, you're thinking of some of those things that have been hanging on for years. It could be an attitude. It could be, um, it could be something, uh, something. It could be an addiction. It could be all kinds of things. It, it could be, be a sin. It could be whatever it might be that you're just like, hey, if I could, if I could change one thing, it would be this. And, and you, some of you guys know what that, what that one thing is would be and and yet sometimes our desire for that thing to change is just because we want a better quality of life right like man if that one thing will will change then my my husband will will like me better or my children will like me right and so we think you know i want freedom because of some of these external things that um that might get better if that one thing in my life was was different and i want you to know hey the primary reason for change needs to be so that your desires for him change right? I'm free so that I can pursue him, him more. And all of these other things will fall into place. All of the, the relational issues and all of those things. But man, the reason for change, the reason for freedom is because he wants to be close to you. And he doesn't want anything to hinder that. Would you guys agree with me today? All right, all right. I've got at least, at least four. At least four of you believe me. All right. Well, I'm just going to talk to you four then for the rest of this rest of this time here um so under the influence i remember a couple uh a couple of situations in my life um anyone ever taken nyquil uh, nyquil nyquil cold medicine oh man one time i, I remember i was in uh i was in arizona i was i was leading a group of master's commission students i, I had i had this internship program um, in Des Moines, and we had traveled on a on a road trip, ministering in churches, and our and one of our destinations was in Arizona to the International Masters Commission Conference. And so we were there. My fa- all of my family at that point in time lived in uh, Arizona, and so they were all there. And um, and so we uh, we were staying at my grandparents' house in Arizona at that time. And um, for one reason or another, we ended up needing to go to Walmart. So the students and I we went to Walmart, and I had gotten sick. And so I, I, I took, took some NyQuil, and I remember standing in Walmart with the grocery cart, and I was just like, <laughs> and the students were like, hey, uh, Pastor, Pastor Jonathan, you all right? I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just kept, I'm like, I was, can anybody say, I was under the influence <laughs> of something. It wasn't, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was NyQuil at that time I, like, I, I needed to not be at Walmart I needed to be in bed because uh, because uh, I couldn't couldn't trust someone else needed to drive that night there's other things um, I've been under the influence of love anyone ever been under the influence of love oh yeah oh yeah like you remember when you were uh, when you were first dating um, and uh, you're you're finding that that significant other I remember with Becky um, and she's not here today um, our our youngest uh, had a fever so you can pray for for her but um, but then that also means I can share more about about her when she's not 
No, no, only kidding. But I remember being under the influence. Um, we, uh, we had a, a long-distance relationship, and um, she lived about two hours away. And I remember, like, and, I, and you know, when you're under the influence, you end up doing things that you would normally not do, and you end up saying things that maybe you would normally not say. And uh, the action, I mean, because there's this, there's this external or internal force. I remember, like, did you guys do this? We would be on the phone for hours. I mean, hours. I mean, we'd, I, we'd be like, I gotta go to bed. I gotta go to bed, Becky. I mean, you know, well, let's just, let's just like keep the phone there and we can just like, like, keep it on and, until we fall asleep. Like, That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know? <laughs> no, 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 we didn't because we were in love, right? You do things, man. We stayed up for hours. We would, I, I remember, um, you know, living, doing a long distance relationship. I mean, there's times where she would come to Des Moines, Iowa, or I would go to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and, and there'd be time around our families and things. But, but you know, she worked full time, I worked full time. And so you would look for the moments that you could have together. And it didn't always make practical sense, like, like middle of the week. And you're, you're like, I just, I don't want to just be on the phone. I want to be near you. So I drive, get off work right at five, drive a couple hours, go on a date and come back. Doesn't make any sense. Oh, but I was in love. I was under the influence. You end up doing things sometimes and saying things sometimes that you would normally not do if you were in your right mind, by the way. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, today, um, I want to I talk about the, the influence that sometimes that we can come under um, from the enemy. Sometimes. Wouldn't you want to remove that? Uh, you know, there, I'll, I'll tell you this. Here's a little bit piece of, of Bible, Bible knowledge, some theology for you. Um, at the end of the book, book of Revelation, anyone ever, do, do you know where the book of Revelation is? Yep, yep, yep. Last one, last book, right? It's not a scary book. I encourage you to read it. In fact, the Bible says if you read it, then there's a blessing. So, um, so read the book of Revelation. Even if you don't understand it, say, I'm getting my blessing, right? Whatever you got to do. But uh, book of Revelation, it talks about this. There is going to be a thousand-year reign of Jesus on earth. Anyone know Jesus is coming back? You believe that? He's coming back someday. There's going to be a thousand-year reign where he is king on earth, ruling from the new Jerusalem, and, and, they, and, and the idea is that, is that he's going to kick butt and take names, and we're going to help him, and we're going to subdue the earth with him, and it's going to be awesome. But guess what? Guess one little piece of knowledge about that thousand-year reign. All of the demons and the devil himself are going to be bound up for a thousand years. Yeah, and we're all going to live for a thousand years. So I don't know how that's all going to, you know, alive for a thousand years, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother sermon. But listen to this. There's not going to be any demonic influence for a thousand years. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that you're going to find out what's actually demonic influence and what's you. Right? That means during that time, we're going to find out if it's just my selfishness or did the devil make me do it, right? 
We're going to find out, like, what's real. Until then, there's this, the, the Bible talks in, in 1 Corinthians 12 about an actual spiritual gift that's given to us called the, the gift of distinguishing between spirits, where, where we have, to, Lord, what's going on? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, is it Holy Spirit? Is it an angel? Is it my spirit? Is it demonic? Like, what is it? Because there is this place in all of us as believers where we have to say, Lord, what's going on here right now? What's going on here right now? What's ha- would you like to know what's going on in the spiritual realm? Would that, be a, would that be helpful to you? It'd be helpful to me too. So you guys, when you figure that out, let me know. <laughs> here, here, I, I, have, I have a few thoughts as we, as we go on, but, but I, I just want you to know um, right off the bat that it's not all demonic and it's not all flesh either. And so we have to, we have to have our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears and, and say, all right, Lord, would you lead us down this path because we, we want to be, be all free. We want to be totally free. Here, no, uh, number one, here's the thought. There really are demons, and they bow at Jesus' feet. There really are demons, and they bow at Jesus' feet. Is that good news to anybody? Now, the first part isn't good news. We're like, ah, oh, dang it, there really are demons. The second part's great. Because they bow at Jesus' feet. They always do. Like, he's in charge. In fact, when I've ever worked with somebody that's, that's being influenced by, by the demonic, man, when Jesus shows up, when Jonathan shows up, like, there's not a whole lot I can do. When Jesus shows up, oh, man, it's on like Donkey Kong. Like, it's real, it, it, he, he's that good. He is that good at his job. Mark chapter 5, this is, uh, this is where we're headed Verse 1, it says, They went across the lake, and this is Jesus and his disciples. They went across the lake to the region of the uh, Gerasenes. Now, in different translations of the Bible, that word is translated a little bit different, uh, about oh, two or three times. But it's the same place. It's the same place. So if I say that and your New King James or King James Version says something different, um, you'll be all right. Uh, verse 2, it says, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet with him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him. Say that. No one could bind him. No one could bind him. He was too strong. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Another, another version of the Bible, New, I think New King James says he fell on his knees and worshipped him. That, that term worship really has to do, um, in, that, in, in that verse, has to do with bowing down, getting on your knees. And, and so there was, there was at least allegiance, if not, if not all out worship. That, isn't that awesome? That Jesus comes and instead of running away, it's down at his feet. And demons, they have to bow at the feet of Jesus. I, I think this is interesting, this story, because this is one of the most extreme cases in the Bible of demonic influence. 
We're going to find out here in a little bit. Like, this is, like, if you've, if you've ever, ever been a part of anything on a missions trip or in, in some other part of the world, if you've ever been a part of anything in, in the States where, where you would say that was a demon or that, like, this is, Jesus uses this story because this is the full extreme. <laughs> this is, in fact, we'll find out in a, in, in a few minutes. There were more than just one demon here. There was a lot here. And this is, so you can learn a lot from the, the most extreme situation because I, I guarantee you most of us have not nor will encounter the most extreme situation here. I think that's, that's really exciting for me to know that there's freedom even in the most extreme situation and that I might not ever encounter what Jesus did here. That's exciting for me too. I'm like, I'm like I'd rather encounter a bunch of angels. Anybody? Yeah, absolutely, me too. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't uh, just live their life as if, as if the demonic doesn't exist. That would be a poor way to, li- to, uh, to live your life. Uh, if I were the devil, I'd want you to think they don't exist either. Yeah? If I were the devil, that'd be a good plan. The thief doesn't knock on the door and say, hey, I'm here. No. No, like he, he flies under the radar. He, he, uh, uh, he uses all kinds of different ways to disguise himself and to make you think that he's not there. He uses all kinds of ways. Because he, if, if you could believe that, that there's not a demonic influence, then the, then the enemy's like, all right, I got him. This is good. And so part of this whole thing is for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and, and, sh- and show us what is so that we know how to pray, so that we know how to fight. Absolutely. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. He's talking to the church and he says, Be alert! And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Anybody scared? No, don't be, don't be. This is what it says. It says, resist him standing firm in the faith. Resist him standing firm in the faith. First John chapter 3, verse 8 says this says the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the devil's works now now listen that first part of the verse a lot of us are like well wait a minute oh i'm of the devil any of you read that and you're thinking wait a minute i sinned this week you're like, I must be of the devil. What th- this verse is saying in the original language is talking about an ongoing habitual sin where you, you know exactly and, you've, and you're, you, are, you are turning and you are giving in. You're calling what's right wrong, what's wrong right. And he said, man, that's what the devil does. If you do that, you're of the devil. And uh, so that's what the apostle john was trying to get across but the next part is interesting do you know that a third at least a third of jesus ministry on earth was uh deliverance of the demonic did you know that you know another third was healing and then another third was preaching so i'm like it might be good to see like what jesus did and copy it we don't want to throw out a third of what he did amen Amen. And so this last part of that verse is the reason the Son of God appeared. Everyone say, the reason. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That tells me a couple things. It tells me, all right, there's purpose here in why he appeared. It also tells me there's hope because that's why he appeared. There's hope. 
whatever you're going through, the reason he appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. Um, I, I've, had, uh, uh, I've had some experience um, in the area of, uh, of spiritual warfare and things like this. Um, I haven't had uh, as much as some, and I've had more than many. But there's, there's, been, there's been things. I, I feel like in America, a lot of times, um, demonic influence flies under the radar. Not always, but some. Um, quite a bit. Uh, overseas, when I've been overseas, man, I remember being in Trinidad, and there was a full-on, and I, I'm, I won't mince words, I, he was demon-possessed. And to the point of like, you know, you know the movies when the, the, the voice changes and they're foaming at the mouth and they're hard to subdue and you're like, ah, right? Yeah, that was, yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, I've been around that. Um, but I, I, think, um, I think a lot of what happens is, uh, is where the enemy wants to fly under the radar and convince you that, uh, that it's something else. Absolutely. Here's what Jack Hayford, if you've ever heard of Jack Hayford uh, from the um, kind of one of the fathers of the Foursquare movement, um, he said this. He says, you can't cast off the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Sometimes people come to me, pastor, I want to I be delivered of this. And I'm like, you just got to knock it off. What was it, Bob Newhart that says, here, I got an idea. Stop it. Stop it right? There, there, some of the things that we're dealing with, we just have to knock off because you can't cast out the flesh. On the other hand, you also can't disciple a demon. There's things that you're just trying in your own strength to, to just knock off, and the Lord wants you to know, hey, guess what? That's actually demonic. Like, in order to really, I mean, and you could, I mean, you could, you know, control behavior and all this thing, but it's like, it's right there, and it's so strong, and and God wants you to, hey, hey, let's not, let, let's try to stop discipling a demon, and let's also try to stop casting off the flesh. Let's, like, reverse those. Let's disciple the flesh. Actually, the, the better way to do it is kill it, <laughs> right? Kill the flesh, and then let's, let's get rid of demonic influence. Would that be all right with you? Absolutely. So do we need discipleship or deliverance? The answer is Yes. The answer is yes. Here, here, number two. So uh, the first one is there really are demons and they bow at Jesus' feet. Number two is we can be under their influence. Oh, man, and, and, and this is a thing that, that it's, it's helpful for the body of Christ to understand. Um, we start to get weird on this, though. Uh, here's the question. Are you saying that, that people of God can be demon-possessed? That's a, that's a hard no. No. People of God Believers, you can't be demon-possessed. Actually, the word, the, the word um, possessed in the Bible, it's, it's usually the word, um, in fact, I think I have it up here on the, on the uh, slide, do I? The Greek word, daimonizomai, uh, is used in the Bible to be best translated as demonized. And it actually just means to be under the influence of demons. So sometimes, as we have read stories in the Bible and there's the word possessed, it, it don't, doesn't that kind of connotate to you like ownership, right? And so we look at some of this and we're like, wait a minute, no, obviously a Christian can't be owned. If you are bought by the blood of Jesus, if, you're, if you are going to heaven, you cannot be owned 
by the devil, by the, his, any of his demons, you are, you are going to heaven. You're owned by Holy Spirit. You're owned by Jesus. Absolutely. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um, but there are definitely areas, I would put it this way, where the enemy can occupy a place in your life to the degree that you allow him. Um, wherever sin exists, the demonic realm also exists and is at work to negatively influence. If there's an area of sin, I would, call, I would just say this, there's an open door. At least there's an open door. Wherever there'd be an area of sin. And you're like, well, what's sin, pastor? Let's, let's define all this. Simply this, anything that misses the mark of God's standard, anything. Anything that misses the mark when, when, you're, when you're not, uh, in fact, sin was an archery term. And, and to, to live righteous and, and perfect was to hit the bullseye. And so that's what, that's what sin was all about. So sin was to miss the mark. And so wherever there's sin, there's the opportunity for an open door to, to influence. And that's where we want to be aware so that we can get it out of there. And what's the goal? Again, I want closeness with Jesus. I want to be close. Anything that would hinder closeness, it's like... We're, we're, we're going after it. Anything that would hinder closeness, we're going after it. Um, so often, you know, by our sin, by our choices, by sometimes even what we watch, what we listen to, sometimes the places we go, the people that we're around, there's times where we knowingly or unknowingly open the door for influence from the enemy. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 12 says this this is for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the what spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms Paul's saying this he's writing this to the church in Ephesus and he says guess what our battle is not against flesh and blood in other words it's not against people it's not against people. Do you know what came right before this verse? Do you know what? Have you ever read Ephesians chapter 6? Do you know what? The, he, he was talking about relationships. He's talking about family relationships, like mom and dad. And he was talking about work relationships, like, like, like bosses and, and all. Like those types of things. He's like, he, after talking about all of these different relationships, then he's like, and put on the full armor of God. <laughs> and our battle's not against flesh and blood. And it tells me that a lot of those things, a lot of the places that are pressures in our life, we're like, it's my mom, it's my dad, or it's my boss, or it's my coworker, or it's my pastor, probably not your pastor. But I wouldn't, I, I'm just going to say probably not. Guess what? It's not them. It's the spirit behind them. It's, what it, what, it's, it's a spiritual battle. We, the, the enemy wins if we get our eyes off of, off of the real issue and start making it about the person. Oh, he, he wins every time when we do that. And Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's actually a spiritual battle. It always has been. always will be until Jesus comes back and they're bound up for a thousand years. Amen. There's, a, there's lots of uh, places in the Bible that, where we can kind of, kind of find out where, where people were, were under the influence. Um, 
where the enemy was operating and, and they had, for whatever moment, they, they, in a weak moment, they were under the influence of the enemy. Matthew 16, verse 20, Peter was under the influence and, and uh, he was actually trying to tempt Jesus to not go to the cross. <laughs> and Jesus looks at Peter, actually looks through Peter, and he says, get behind me, Satan. Because the enemy was influencing Peter in that moment, and it wasn't the, he didn't have in mind the, the things of God, and, and all, he, he, he was listening to another voice. He was under the influence. Um, John chapter 13, one of the 12, one of the disciples, one of the ones that were, that were following Jesus everywhere, that was close to Jesus, best friends with Jesus, and you guys know his name, Judas. And man, he followed everywhere. He was a close friend. He was, he was, he was there when, when Jesus sent them out two by two. And, and he had been a part of, of, of supernatural healings and deliverances and all of this stuff. He, he had had that authority. He walked in that. Somewhere along the line, there was influence. And in, and in John chapter 13, verse 27, the Bible says that, that the devil actually entered him. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they were, they were disciples, they were part of the early church, and in that early church, uh, the, uh, Peter looks at them, and he says, he says, Satan has filled your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it talks about Paul's thorn in the flesh, and we don't all know exactly what Paul's thorn in the flesh, I think, I think, uh, God decided when, when they compiled the Bible that he was going to leave a mystery there. Like, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I've got ideas. I don't know. But guess what I do know? Paul said it was a messenger of Satan. What am I saying? I'm saying even the best of them. <laughs> even, the, even the ones that, that, that had the, the honor of, of, through Holy Spirit, writing Scripture at one time or another, had weak moments and were influenced by the enemy. What about me? You know, one of, my, one of the things in my life has uh, the, one, just one. I'm only gonna name one. There's probably many, but here's, here's one. <laughs> here's one. Your pastor has struggled off and on for years with a spirit of fear. And I call it a spirit because the Bible calls it a spirit. <laughs> it was, it, he, Paul was writing to Timothy. And he says, he says uh, 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 do not allow a spirit of fear in your life. What did he say? In place of that, a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Man, it's so easy to allow a foothold, a stronghold, an open door for fear. Am I the only one that you don't have to raise your hand, but I just, well, I'll just be honest. There's been times, man, it's not, I know that it's not, it's not the Lord. How do I know it's not the Lord? Oh, he says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. Somebody else gave it to me and I accepted the gift upon occasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that is, that is, that is a, um, a demonic assignment that I have to punch in the face often. Is there an area of your life that you just can't get the victory in? Is there an area of your life that you feel helpless and powerless? Hey, I want you to watch a quick video. Maybe you'll remember a guy. You got it? Flip Wilson.
Flip Wilson, he was famous for saying, the devil made me do it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The, the truth is that you may have allowed the devil to influence you to do it. We leave open doors in our lives, allowing continual sin. We open ourselves to demonic influence. But there's this thing called personal responsibility. Even if, man, you may say, man, there is a, there's demonic pressure in my life. Even if, let's just say worst case scenario. There's still personal responsibility. Here's this, I want you to know this. Deliverance is not a shortcut to spiritual maturity. Deliverance is not a shortcut to spiritual maturity. In fact, you could decide, I'm just going to ignore all the spiritual influence, the demonic influence, and, and that's all right. That's all right. You still have to walk spiritually mature. You still need to submit yourself to the Lord. You still have to do that. There is freedom. I want you to be as free as you can possibly be. And some of you are like, I just need to get that demon gone. All right, all right. And you need to live right. <laughs> you need to make right choices. You need to be a disciple of Jesus. Deliverance isn't a shortcut to spiritual maturity. Sometimes, sometimes the things that we're going through in life is more than just a character issue. Um, sometimes it's just a little bit more than just saying, I'm just going to stop, I'm just going to stop. Sometimes it's just a little bit more. We, we're, when we're under the influence we end up doing things, saying things, and living in ways well beyond what we would do if we were in our right mind. Well beyond. I, I kind of look at it as a, as a campfire. I imagine like normal character issues that you guys would all be aware of. All the normal character and sin issues that we deal with are kind of like this campfire. And we could put wood on it, and it's, it's hot, and it's dangerous. You don't want to stick your hand in it. You don't want to, you don't want to walk in it. But it's contained, right? It's this place where, where uh, I, can, I can, through maturity and through my own choice, I can resist and I can decide I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. I'm going to act a certain way. I'm going to say things a certain way and, because this is just normal discipleship stuff. And then demonic influence is like pouring gasoline on that campfire. It's like it takes that character issue and it's like... Takes that, it takes that normal open door. Am I ringing? A little bit? All right. It takes that normal open door for, uh, for like lust or that normal open door for, for like anger or, or, or for all of these things. And it's like, it's like those things that I can just, you know what, I'm just going to live right or I'm going to just choose not to look or I'm going to choose whatever. And then he pours gasoline on this and it becomes this thing. It's bigger than, larger than life. So here's, here's the good news. Once a demonic influence is removed, the person is left with a normal emotion that they can choose to control. This still comes back to your, your personal responsibility. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 28 says this, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a what? That also tells me it's possible to give the devil a what? Absolutely. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. Um, there, was, uh, there was a time in our church, I've told you guys this story, some of you guys know there was a time oh, years ago, actually two different times, we just didn't get it, get it right the first time, but two different times we, uh, there was somebody that came in and broke into our church. <laughs> 
And the, the, the one time they, they broke in and, and stole money out of the, the offering. And, and other times, I even had like a, like a cool sword and shield that was given to me, and they stole it right out of my office. I mean, it was just crazy. But we, there was an open door. Or, or they broke in somehow. We didn't see any broken locks, but I, I think there was an open door. And they came in, and they were here at the church. And uh, did they own our church? No, they didn't own our church. Were they in our church? They were absolutely in our church. Did they have influence until we got them out? Absolutely. And then we had to lock the doors, <laughs> make sure they never came back again. Oh, man. That, it, in fact, it, it's kind of like in, in your life. Um, I kind of view your heart and your mind as like a home. And if you were looking at your own life and, and your heart and your mind like a home, um, at one point or another, if, if you were to say, Pastor Jonathan, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior and, and, uh, and I'm, going, I'm going to heaven and, and you're confident in that, that you're, like, who owns your home at that point? Well, well, Jesus does. In fact, he probably has access to most areas of that home. And, and uh, I imagine Jesus and you walking through your house and, and you're the, the living room's all cleaned up and it's looking nice. And, and maybe you show him the guest bedroom and it looks nice. And, and the, the guest bathroom's always nice, at least like in, in, in my home, right? It's like, like someone's coming over, get the guest bathroom clean and you know and, and you go in the kitchen and it's probably nice and and there's clean towels and there's things are put away um just don't come over today yeah, but and uh and, and all of that's good but then he, we're walking down the hallway and and he's like oh what's in that door you like, oh jesus well you, you don't want to go in that door he's like, no actually I, i'd like to go no that's just that's just there that's just a closet you don't want to go in that door he's like no i'd like to and he, he opens up the door and everything, everything pours out. Maybe that's like some of your closets at home, right? And, or, or he goes, you, know, you don't want to go in the bedroom. Or you don't want to go in the, in the basement. Or definitely you don't want to go in there. But he can have access to everything else. And sometimes we live our life like that as Christians, where he, he technically owns the home, but he doesn't quite have access to everything. And, and that's what this is, is we're saying sometimes we've given access to the enemy in areas of our life. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'd like to have access to every area. Like, I, would you give me access to every area? That's what he wants. Here's, here's this, this last area. They have to flee in Jesus' name. Did you know that? There's hope. They have to flee in Jesus' name. Mark chapter 5 starting in verse 7, and, and this is the man, and he's, as he's coming to Jesus, he was, he was on his knees, and at the top of his voice, he says, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. See, Jesus knows what to do with impure spirits. He just says, come out. Come out. And then Jesus asked him, what's your name? He said, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Again, you remember this is the worst case scenario. <laughs> this is a big deal. 
a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. I told you guys this story before when I was in Israel and we were driving along the, that, uh, oh, that east side of the Sea of Galilee and the driver pulls off real quick and says, hey, get out, I want to show you something. We, we get out and we, we're looking over the beautiful sunset and there was a kind, of a kind of a cliff area and he says, hey, we looked around the whole area of the Sea of Galilee and this, this, there's no other place quite like this. This has to be the spot where Jesus cast the demons into the herd of pigs and they went over the edge. I was standing there. I'm like, man, I've been right here. This is amazing. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. In, in, in another gospel, they were, they were saying, please don't send us to the abyss, or please don't send, like, like don't send, send it, would you? Like, I don't, for some reason, Jesus has mercy on them. I was all right, here's some pigs. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. Watch this. It heard about 2,000 in number. There were a lot of demons <laughs> affecting this man. About 2,000 in number, they rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs <laughs> ran off and reported this in the town, in the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. I like what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 11, verse 20. He says, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, what? Deliverance is one of the signs that his kingdom is here. Right? If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You know, um, there's a lot in... Uh, in kind of church life where, uh, where sometimes, whether it, be, whether it be my fault or on you, but where we, we almost make certain things be where the pastor is the only one that can do this. Or, or you have to be a, like a spiritual leader and, and you know, whatever, and we can't, we can't attain to what I, you know. We try to de debunk that as often as we can here in this church. Um, but one of the things is, like, we feel like in order to pray, like, r real prayers that count, like, like man, we got to sound like Pastor Jonathan. We got we to gotta walk like Pastor Jonathan. We gotta, it's got to come out in a, in a certain way. Man, I know, like, when my, when my daughters, like Lydia, and she says, in Jesus' name, man, it's like the same power as when I say it. I just know, like, man, we say this all the time, but Jesus doesn't pass out junior Holy Spirits to us. And you may not have, like, all the words, and you may feel like, man, I just, like, I don't even know Bible like you. Can I just tell you, man, you've got, if you're a Christian and you've got Holy Spirit in you, you've got authority to speak right to that devil and say, in Jesus' name, knock it off. In Jesus' name. I say words like this. I just say, every voice that's not a living God, I command you to be silent right now in Jesus' name. I say things like, like every assignment of the enemy that, that the Bible says wants to steal, kill, and destroy, I command you to leave me alone right now. Leave this place, leave this property, go to where Jesus would send you. You know that you can pray that too? Absolutely. If, our, if Aria and Kaylee and Lydia can do it, so can you. 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we not, do not wage war. How? Like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Absolutely. 
The devil's greatest and actually only weapon is lying to you. He's the, the father of lies, is what the Bible says. Second Corinthians, <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. <coughs> Sorry. There we go. And we take captive how many thoughts? Every thought. And make it obedient to Christ. I like what Pastor Chris Hodges says this. He says, we defeat the enemy by replacing every lie he has told us with the truth of God's word. Here, here's my, my freedom process. And, uh, and we're planning, we're, we're actually planning to put together like a, like a whole freedom class where you're going to, if you're interested, you can learn everything from start to finish and all of this because it's helpful to, for it to not just be me that knows it or, or a handful of people. But, um, man, wouldn't it be nice to have those tools in your tool belt? Absolutely. But here's just kind of a, like a little, first of all, man, salvation's a big deal. How many know that salvation would be like number one? Oh, man. That's a, it, in fact, it's counterproductive. If you do not, if you would say, Pastor Jonathan, I don't know if I'm going to heaven like, we're probably not going to deal first with all of your uh, demonic pressure. We're probably going to look at, hey, would you surrender your life to Jesus? Would you make him Lord of your life? Salvation's number one. Repentance is a close second where you, you say, man, it's, it's not just that you're sorry, but like you're turning. Like it. Repentance is a word in the original Greek that says matineo, and it's, a, it's to change the way you think. God wants to renew your mind. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to actually change the way you view sin and all of this stuff. And so there's, there's salvation and there's repentance. And I'll tell you what, church, man, every single time I've been with somebody and we've been dealing with demonic pressure, it, like, man, 99 out of 100 times it comes down to forgiveness. So, like, if you're just, if you don't want to forgive somebody, then you're probably just going to say, I'm, I'm just going to live with this demonic pressure in my life. At some point, you're going to have to say, okay, I'm willing to forgive. Maybe it's forgiving another person. Sometimes it's forgiving yourself. Sometimes, I know this sounds weird, but sometimes it's letting God off the hook where we have, where we have like, like, we're offended at him. And even though he didn't do anything wrong, we've, we've kind of act like he did. And, and so there's this place where we get clear in our heart with people, with ourselves, even with God. And forgiveness is like, like if there was a key, <laughs> If there was a key, it was that. And then, actually, deliverance isn't, uh, isn't that hard. You know, once, once you've taken away the key, it's like, uh, you're not allowed to be here. Go. And it's it. that's it. And then I always, like to, I always like to end with Holy Spirit empowerment. I say something like this when I'm praying with somebody. I just say, hey, uh, every place that's been occupied for so long by the enemy, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill right now. And say, just fill those places right now in the name of Jesus. All over. All those, remember the, remember the rooms of our heart? Oh, yeah. So we'll say something like, hey, all of those rooms that were occupied, that were open, Lord, would you just fill those places? Fill that closet that, you, that, that they didn't want to take you to. Fill that place over here that they didn't want to take Lord, right now, would you just fill that place? Holy Spirit, come and fill. Come and fill. And then, Lord, would you shut the door? <laughs> Would you shut the door, lock it, and throw away the key in the name of Jesus? Hey, here's the end of the story is actually really cool. Watch this, Mark 5, verse 15. 
when they came to Jesus, they, and this is that crowd of people, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Now, Luke said that he hadn't worn clothes for a long time. Just saying. And he hadn't been in his right mind, and he was living in the tombs for a long time. This was his state of life, his state of mind. And uh, when they saw him dressed and in his right mind, they're like, oh. Uh, it actually caused fear. I think a combination of the pigs over the side of the cliff and, uh, and then this man being fully dressed in his right mind, something in there, the crowd, the crowd actually got afraid of all of this. Instead of, instead of them saying, hey, I want that too, they're like, no, I don't, I, I don't want anything to do with it. That was really interesting to me as I read that. He's dressed in his right mind. They were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to stay around a little while. No, leave. Would you leave our region, they said. See, there's there's a choice that we have here in this room. How free do you want to be? Right? And you could look at this and you could say, hey, I, uh, I'd actually just like you to leave me alone, Jesus. That's basically what they said, leave, leave our region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, watch this, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I love like, the, how J- Jesus just flipped this whole thing on its head. The man who had a legion of demons, who had been naked and living in the tombs, crazy like in a moment everything was different but it wasn't just a change of quality of life how many know like that wouldn't be that wouldn't be just a fun life to live in the tombs like i've been to cemeteries like yeah you know in the daytime it's okay that wouldn't be fun and also wouldn't be fun like walking around naked either most of the time This wasn't, I'm just thinking about my daughter, Olivia. She, she, she doesn't mind. But this is, a, this is more than just quality of life. This is more than just this man like, hey, my life's better. No, 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 watch what happens. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. Now, in this story, Jesus didn't let him. He, he, was, he was going to another place, but he, he, says, he says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. True freedom in Christ leads to not only a change in quality of life, but more importantly, a change in desire. Oh, man. Would you get that today? That his desires changed. His longings changed. He wanted to get in the boat and just go with Jesus. It wasn't just about, hey, I, I, just want, I just want my life to be better. No, he wanted to be close. And all of this stuff, we can overemphasize this and overemphasize that and underemphasize this and underemphasize that, all of this stuff. Can you just know that the goal here is Jesus wants to be close to you. And my prayer is that as you experience true freedom, that your desire shifts and you're just like, Jesus, I just want to be close to you. Does that sound good? Pastor Kelly and your team and Holy Spirit all over this place. First of all, we silence every voice that's not of the living God right now. 
everything that we want to distract, everything that want to keep us from true freedom. In Jesus' name. In fact, every assignment of the enemy that would want to steal, kill, and destroy everything that would want to hinder that process of freedom, we command those things to stand down, to leave, to leave this property, to go to where Jesus would send them right now. And Lord, I just ask that right now, all over this place, from the back to the front, from my right to the left, that you would actually work on hearts. You would go right to hearts. Lord, you're highlighting things even now that where we would say, ah, man, um, that's just a little bit larger than life. And I want that. I want that gone. In Jesus' name, leave. <laughs> right? In Jesus' name. There might be a person, a name, or a face that's coming to mind of someone that you even just need to forgive. Lord's just taking you right to the place right now. You may not have the, the strength right now to even forgive, but he's, by his mercy, he's showing you. And he's maybe saying, hey, would you get together with Pastor Jonathan? Or would you find a spiritual leader in this place? And would, you're like, this is a little bit bigger than me. I need another person here to walk through this thing. And freedom's possible. Freedom's possible. There's hope in here. There's hope in this place. Oh, man, if there's hope for the worst-case scenario in the Bible where the man was dressed and in his right mind, <laughs> there's hope for me. There's hope for you. Can we stand this morning? Yeah. In just a few minutes, we're even going to have... Uh, our prayer teams come into the altar and um, this may be your day where you just say, hey, I want to start the process. I just want to, I want to share that, that one area maybe you even want to share and say, I just want prayer. I want to I start the process of freedom today and you can even come and share that. Hey, I shared, I shared an area this morning. Hopefully that made you feel like, oh, I'm not the only one. Even the pastors struggle sometimes. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, and I declare freedom over this place. Any hindrance that would want to keep somebody from freedom and healing, Lord, we just thank you that you are removing those things in Jesus' name.